Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. This is Harriet Cameron with Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about why is Kentucky the cancer site, cancer capital of America? But before we do that, obviously, what is top of mind is the fact that, hi, everybody, good morning. What's top of mind is that we are actually in the midst of a crisis. And it's admirable that we're just kind of going through it. But I do want us to pause. <laughs> you can't do <laughs> That just blew me away because when you said that, I can't repeat it on air because it would be disingenuous. Okay, I can't say it, but for the love of God, please let me laugh. But when you look at what is going on in our in our country today and I'm, I'm very concerned about our country because right now here in Michigan the governor is about to order the closure of bars and restaurants except for carryout and delivery by 3 p.m. today that means she's giving it's practically curfew so she's giving the police the authorization that if people are gathered more than 50 persons right more than 250 persons and if people are in fact gathered in a restaurant they are likely to, to ask folks to leave because it's a threat to public safety and public health this is a very very crucial time and wherever you are in the country we need to adhere to what the authorities are telling us they have information that we don't have and one of the things that is glaringly problematic to all of us is the disregard with which some groups in the population are disregarding the directives from the authorities. They, 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 it's just a flu. People dismiss it like it's just a flu. I'm under 40. It's not going to affect me. And it's for you folks. Might I just remind all of us that even though you can carry, you can carry the symptoms, but you are a threat to public safety because in carrying the symptoms, you are able to distribute those symptoms to someone else who will likely become infected. That's one thing. And number two, your flagrant disregard for public safety means that you are not a good citizen. You're not a concerned citizen. So what we saw overnight was in New Orleans, I mean, everybody took to the streets of, took to Bourbon Street to have a party, but the police actually came and reinforced the governor's order to limit groups, large groups of people. Folks, this is not just a flu. And I am still appalled at people who are dismissing this like, this is just a flu. Uh, this is just, the stock market has, has plunged again, 2,250 points. This has got to be one of the most unstable times I have seen in a long, long time. I thought the crash of 2008 was epic. But this is some this is on a whole different scale this is beyond being epic right and so i'm asking everybody do not disregard what public health officials and what our governors and our attorneys general and our mayors are telling us they have information that we don't have they have access to information that they cannot give to us because it will cause panic we saw that last week in the absence of leadership and in the absence of people giving us directives about what is going on people went and panic bought stuff and stockpiled food for 20 to 30 years i mean i went into somebody's house recently and they have enough bread in there that can feed a whole a whole elementary school and i'm like well what are you going to do with all of that <laughs> well because you can only eat so much right you can probably eat a loaf per week and a half every 10 days so tell me what you're going to do with the rest of that meanwhile the rest of us can't buy food because we weren't panic buying can't find food anywhere can't find food in the stores the shelves are empty right we need to get a grip on our reality the reality is that this is not just a flu we have flu seasons twice a year in america this is not a flu this is not a fluke. This is not something that's going to go away. This is not a hoax. This is not something engineered by the Democrats. This is not something created by China. This is something that is a mass weapon of destruction that is designed to take out large groups of people if we're not careful. So we need to be kinder to one another. 
There are seniors who have not gone shopping in a week. They don't have disinfectant. They don't have disinfecting wipes. They don't have uh, their prescriptions. And they're running low on food. We need to check in with our seniors. If you have seniors in your community, check in and see how they're doing, right? Check in on your own parents. Check in on your grandparents. See how they're doing, right? And check in on yourself. Make sure you're drinking water. Drink water every 15 minutes. Take a few sips of water, right? I'm timing myself, right? So I have mine right here, right? Take a few sips. Keep your throat moisturized. See how... I tried, I went 10 minutes without putting my hands in my face. It almost killed me. I ended up twisting my face all over. It drives you crazy to keep your hands out of your face. It literally does, but we need to try harder to keep our hands out of our face, keep social distancing, three to six feet, which we should have been practicing anyway. Don't you agree? We should have been doing that. And of course, we need to take, I told, we need to take stock of where we are and what we're doing. We need to, we shouldn't be panic buying. The stock market is in a panic right now. That's what you're seeing. And we need to just be kinder to one another. We need to be prayerful. We need to pray more. Yes, we're praying more. We have become a society that has disregarded our Christian roots and our faith-based beliefs. We have exchanged them for modern thinking and modern ways and applications that now cannot help us. And we have raised a generation who scoff at the very idea of having a prayer because they're like, what good is that going to do? Well, you're all, we're going to find out. We're going to be sitting here and finding out what good prayer will do in just a few. Because when you have no prayer, you have no hope. If you don't have a higher power that you're praying to, what hope is there going to be? And in a few, few weeks, when we begin to see the effects of mass gatherings, all those young people, who parted like it was 1999 or 1979 or 2009 or 2019 is more their application, right? Over the weekend and who were just busy spreading the virus to others who are going to take it home to their family members. We're going to see the effects of that in just a few. And you're going to feel the collateral damage and the collateral guilt. And we're all going to see how it feels. We need to be kinder and we need to recognize that when public officials at the, at a time like this, when they tell us to uh, observe certain behavior patterns, we need to follow what they say. If they say don't go out, then for the love of God, do not think it's a joke and go out there. If they say don't drive, don't go anywhere. If they say stay home, stay home, right? Trust we have to trust the process. Right now in Italy, in one day, 368 people died. We need to pray for Italians. How do you think they feel? It's not wartime, y'all. This is not war. So we can't say, well, it's war, so there are mass casualties. This is not war. This is a virus that is destroying the human race. It is threatening humanity. It is wiping out the sages it's wiping out older folks who have wisdom to impart to us. Like I was telling my children that this is the fight for their generation. That their generation didn't have World War II. They didn't have World War I. They didn't have uh, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. They didn't have uh, the Gulf War. This is the, their war. And they are learning from watching us so that when their time comes in leadership, they will have solutions and will know how to attack the problems of their time. Of course, like typical young people, they scoff at the idea because they can't imagine that they would see this. In my time, I scoffed at the idea too of ever having anything like this happen. But yet, here we are. We're here. We're here. So I'm asking all of us, be kinder to one another. Be gentle. Check in on folks. And for the love of God, you have stockpiled enough food to last you through three millenniums. Stop buying food so the rest of us can get some to buy. My goodness, the shelves at Target, Costco, Sam's Club are empty. All the major retailers, Kroger, Publix, HEB, all the major retailers in the country are empty. Please stop stockpiling food. 
the food is going to be there. They're going to let us out to go buy food. They're not going to stop it, right? This cuts down on democracy protests to doing the elections. Yes, of course it does. It has that kind of ramifications because they're going to... But I, I read somewhere that... Uh, maybe this was in France. But I read somewhere that uh, demonstrations were allowed. Uh, for that they, they excuse it based on, on gatherings for demonstrations because it's part of the free speech and free assembly in the Constitution. They, you know, so maybe they will allow that. But they're going to, what they're trying to do, we need to galvanize and organize around the idea that what they're trying to do is contain the virus and slow it down. It doesn't mean it's going to stop it. It just means they're slowing it down. So if they took the measures to shut schools, close down workspaces, close down restaurants, it will slow it down so that it will reduce the cumulative effect. But instead, while they were saying that people went and partied all night, like it's 19, it's 2019, people were in Bourbon Street, downtown Nashville was undefeated and lit. Downtown Detroit was lit. The nightclubs were springing and jiving. Are we crazy? At a time when we should be rallied around faith, we should be rallied around leaders of faith, we should be rallied around prayer and being prayerful, we're partying like it's 2019. Like maybe if we party hard enough, 2019 can come back and we won't have to face what we're facing now in 2020. Believe me, my friends, this too shall pass. It's going to pass. It's going to be devastating as it passes, but it will pass. And we have to believe and hold on. And I'm here this morning to give you hope because I feel that if we start off with hope, we're going to end in a good place. Hope is what we need. We need to rally around prayer and we need to be hopeful. We need to stop right now. Stop right where you are. Look at me. Stop right where you are. Look right here. Look at me. It's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. Say this. It is going to be okay. It is going to be all right. It is going to be all right. It is going to be okay. Despite the news, despite all that we intellectually know, it's going to happen. It is still going to be okay. And we need to be prayerful. I have some scriptures to encourage you. If you have a Bible, you can download the Bible app. Feel free to download it in whatever version you want. If whatever, we're not, I'm not telling you that you must do this. I am suggesting and submitting to you respectfully that this is one way to cope. And this is the best way to cope going through this crisis. We need hope at a time like this. When we can't find hope in the circumstances and the situations around us. The circumstances don't lend itself to being hopeful. How do you think we felt this morning when we woke up in Michigan to find out that the governor of the state is going to close bars and restaurants? What will happen to those people who work in restaurants? What will happen to people who are dependent on restaurants and money to make to buy their daily bread? What will happen to people whose rents are going to become due on the 1st of April and today is the 16th and they won't be able to work? As a matter of fact, let's just pray for our brothers and sisters who will not be able to party tomorrow on St. Patrick's Day. You will take the drinking home. Thank you very much. And you'll drink your whiskey at home. And you're going to stay right there. Just think. You can drink all the whiskey you want. You'll be at home. You won't be driving on the streets. Amen. Amen. Right? Let's pray for them. Because they're going to be in a mess. Right? What is going to happen to those folks? We need prayer. We have to pray that the government, the federal government, is going to come up with solutions that will distribute funds to the state government so the state governments can apportion it to the citizens. If the stock market is plunging, it's going to affect investors. Now, some people do well in a beer market. They buy stocks like crazy. But what about those of us who can buy a stock, right? We got to believe for that. We have to believe for them. Right now, a lot of people are going to have to dip into their savings to, pay, to, to survive the next few weeks. The CDC late last night issued an advisory that they're recommending that all spaces be closed for the next eight weeks. 
and no gatherings of 50 or more. Listen to the time frame, eight weeks. This moved from a week, two weeks, to four weeks, to now eight weeks. According to statisticians and healthcare professionals, we're two weeks behind in the crisis. So when they do the math and put it on a grid and do the math on a scale, we're, we're, we're going to lose. But it's going to be okay. Listen to me very carefully. It's going to be okay. Yes, there are going to be some losses. Yes, there's going to be collateral damage. There is going to be fallout. Fingers are going to point and there's going to be plenty of blame to go around. And at the end of the day, we're still going to lose some of the people we know and love. There are going to be some young people who will be caught up in this too. This virus is no respecter of persons. It first attacks the most vulnerable, then it finds a way to get at the people whom it can get to. This is why you need to be prayed up. I'm talking to a lot of people. Most of the people whom I'm talking to have never even been in a church. You don't even know what a church is, right? You don't go to church, you weren't raised in church, you have issues with people in church, so you don't know God, so you don't know who God is. But I'm here to encourage you that we need to look up higher and we need to pray. So I'm going to pray and believe that the worst is going to be over and it's going to pass swiftly. My friends, it's going to pass us over and it's when it hits, it's going to be, it's going to hit but it's going to be okay. Now, there's some things that you can do practically. Wash your hands as frequently as you can. Make sure you practice social distancing. When you have to go out in public, keep three to six feet away. You know how we've always complained about some people don't know spaces and they don't respect boundaries. Have you ever had that? People don't respect boundaries, they don't respect spaces. So they're constantly in your face now is the time to step back politely when people start coming and some people have a way of i kid you not they just come in your face and they just start breathing you all know what i'm talking about have you ever had those people <sighs> or when you're standing in line at the grocery store and they're standing behind you they're practically on your neck on the <sighs> and you can hear them breathing no one should hear you breathe you shouldn't be that close to anyone so practice and reinforce social distancing Wash your hands. Most importantly, don't panic. If you're in a situation and you see it's going to get out of hand, step back. Put yourself to safety and step away. Do not panic. Do not say, oh my God, it's the last bread on the shelf and die for it like everyone else. A funny story. My daughter went to the grocery store on uh, Saturday because by this time, everybody's panic had gotten to me. And I'm like, if they all panic like this, there won't be any groceries there for us to get groceries next week. So my daughter went to the grocery store on Saturday. And when she went, there were two packages of ground beef. Now, you know, it's it's still cool, a little bit cool. So I make uh, chili like once a week or once every 10 days or so. Right. And she placed a package of chili in the in her cart. Then she walked, she's on the phone with me, FaceTiming me, by the way. <laughs> so this is happening in real time. And she walks <laughs> to look at, at, at chicken. When she turns around, the cart with the ground beef disappeared. Someone came, grabbed the cart with the ground beef and totally disappeared. That's panic buying. The shelves at our local Walmart were empty for no reason whatsoever. I, first of all, I couldn't believe that retailers like Target and Walmart could ever run out of anything. I, I kind of just thought they had their supply chains down pat. I never thought they could ever run out of anything. I thought that, like you, overnight after we are done shopping for the day, they restock the stores overnight. Apparently, they weren't doing that. I don't know what was going on. So nothing was getting done because nothing was getting shopped. Every 15 minutes, drink something, sip water. Come on, keep your throat moisturized. If your throat is dry, the virus will stick. It produces a sore throat, you get a headache, a massive headache, it gives you a sore throat. And before you know it, you have a temperature and then you feel like you, you can't breathe and you feel like you're drowning. 
So be careful, right? When you get the congestion, it makes you feel like you're drowning and you can't breathe. That's how you know it's bad. And this is what I'm, I, I worry about, that when people begin feeling like this and get to that point that they're going to go into emergency rooms and overwhelm an already treacherous, treacherous healthcare system. But look at it this way. This does expose some vulnerabilities. We are vulnerable. We don't have enough emergency room beds, which is something I guess America never planned for or we never thought we would ever need. I don't know why. We have 360 million people here. Why did we ever think we would need at least 100 million hospital beds? Think about that for a minute. Seriously? Right? So they're going to have people stay at home. Now, here's the thing, folks. I read a report last night that in France, they're saying that you shouldn't take anti-inflammatories because that actually hastens the, it, that actually hastens the virus. So I guess everybody's going to go out now and buy acetaminophen, Tylenol, right? Uh, so I don't know. That could be something the makers of uh, <laughs> ibuprofen, uh, Tylenol came up with, so we all go buy Tylenol instead right so i'm gonna pray for all of us i know that you're challenged and you might not believe in prayer because it hasn't been an active part of your daily living because of circumstances you perhaps were not raised in a home or in an environment where prayer was a part of life you perhaps were have never encountered prayer you probably have wondered what is prayer all about perhaps christianity is not a religion that you have ever experienced Maybe you grew up with Buddhism. Maybe you grew up in, in Hindu. Maybe you grew up around Muslims. But whatever your background is, there's one common thing that we can all rally around. And it's the fact that we all need prayer at this time. We need prayer. We need prayer. We need to know where we are going. We need faith. And we need people to tell us how to get there. We need a guide. We need an assurance that despite what everything else is going on, that there's something good will happen at the end of this. We need to know what will happen. And we need to know where can we go to experience a good thing. We need to know how we can achieve that. We're about to join other platforms. So you're going to hear the prompts as we go along. And we need to know this is a time when we rally around how we rally around. This is a time when we rally around what we believe. Do not be afraid. It makes no Are sense to now? panic. Press one. It makes no sense to panic. Your show is scheduled to start in Did I say six it? minutes, it makes 14 no seconds sense to panic. Clearwater, six Florida. Minutes how are you guys until showtime. What's going on down in Clearwater, Florida? How is it how is it down there? Here in Michigan they're about to well we closed all colleges and universities and we closed all public schools. All schools private and public. When the governor issued an order for public schools, private schools took it as their indication that they should close their buildings as well. So here in, in, in Michigan that's what is going on. They're about to close restaurants and bars effective as of three PM today. I know restaurant workers are happy <laughs> because they're probably thinking, I didn't want to be exposed anyway. But the economic fallout, you know, somebody said yesterday when the CDC recommended an eight-week quarantine, someone said yesterday, who has eight weeks money saved up? Who has eight weeks of anything? We can see with four weeks, but eight weeks. And when they start Five restricting minutes until how showtime. people gather, right when they start restricting how people gather how is that going to work y'all can we think about that how is that going to work when they start restricting how people gather how is that going to work that's going to be something isn't it when they st people are going to panic people are going to say well what can i do do not panic this is a time when do not fear the Lord our God is going to be with us. He's going to be with us through it all. We're going to learn to trust in God. 
as a people, we're going to go back to the basics, go back to how the country started. And I know that has a lot of political ramifications today, but we're going to go back to the basics. Sometimes in history, we have to go back to figure out how did others, the people before us, how did they make it through the most difficult times? This is one of them. This is one of the most difficult times. We never thought at the beginning of this decade that we would be hit with something as soon as the decade started. Yet, here we are. This is not like the beginning of 2010 when we were just sailing on down the avenue of life and everything was just glory. We had emerged from a recession and it looks like we were headed to a good place. This is not 2010. This is not that reality. This is 2020 threatened by a virus that we have no infrastructure to protect, no infrastructure to guide us, no infrastructure to keep us, nothing. We never planned for something like this. We planned for war. We planned for weapons of war. We planned for nuclear attacks and all sorts of physical weaponry of war. We never planned for a war that would attack our physical bodies. Mass and mass. Yesterday I was on Twitter and someone was tweeting that there were these huge lines at O'Hare Airport. O'Hare Airport is one of the busiest, is the busiest airports in the country and the second largest, second busiest airport in the world. So when the European ban took effect, naturally most people were coming into O'Hare to go to all parts of the U.S. It's kind of like central. So you go there and you can't get into New York, you go there. Well, it became a giant petri dish because the customs and, in, and uh, border patrol people were not prepared for the inflow of hundreds and thousands of people coming in all at once. During the day, it was just normal. And all of a sudden in the evening, it was like, whew, people were standing in line for six hours in close quarters, breathing on one another, right? Co contaminating each other without any sign of hope because your bags were there. That was cr as crazy a circumstance as could be. It wasn't just at O'Hare. We found out it was at other airports. It was at DFW. It was at other airports around the country. These are the signs of our times. We were stressed. We didn't prepare. Preparation is key. It's not that we don't have the resources. We just didn't allocate them. We didn't sit down and have a plan because we didn't see this as war. Do you see what I'm saying? If this were war, they knew how to do that. The pe they know how to do war. They know how to fix war. War can't touch us. They know how to do that. They know how to sit down. They have all the weaponry in place for that. We didn't see this one coming. So how we're going to win this war? We're going to have to win it in the spirit. We're going to have to get our spirit, that part of us that we hear, that little small voice. We're going to have to tap into that little voice. You are going to have to learn to be still, all of us, so we can hear that inner voice, that spirit in us, that is going to guide us through this. That spirit is going to tell you when to go to the grocery store. That spirit is going to tell you, turn the lights off. That spirit is going to tell you, barricade your doors. Because believe it or not, what do people do when they feel they can't get enough? They do what? They panic. Hello? What do people do when they think they can't get enough? They panic. And what happens when they panic? They start doing what? Rioting. What happens when they start rioting? The police and the National Guard and the army will come out. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be something that we have not seen on homeland before. But we must be prepared. We must be still and we cannot panic. I'm waiting to join other uh, platforms because I'm going to pray for all of us. This is a show this morning we were going to talk about why is Kentucky the cancer capital of America. And yet here we are. We are live on this uh, new network. We are live on this new network. And thank you so much for joining me, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. And I thank you. You have joined us at an opportune time as we're about to launch into prayer to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our nation. 
We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for all of us who are in this country at this time. We're going to pray for our world. The government has closed our borders, which is going to go into effect very much shortly. That means we're not going to allow anyone in. Now you can leave if you want to, but if you are coming back, well, they're gonna close it for 30 days. You're gonna have to wait a while. That means they're trying to contain everything. In, very, in a very short time, they're going to enforce the way we travel within our states, within our cities, within a, from state to state. If you have to go take care of family members in another state, for children who are being picked up from college, if you have a child in college anywhere right now, I suggest you start making arrangements for them to come home. If they're on the East Coast and you live on the West Coast, college is done for the rest of the semester. We might as well call it. Get your kid home right now. Don't let them tarry. Don't let them say, oh, I'm going to hang with a friend. You know how kids are. I'm going to hang with a friend for a week or two. Then they get on a in a car and then they get lost traveling across the country. Tell them, get home now. You heard me. Don't stop to visit a friend or you're going to stay overnight with a friend. Get home now. Tell them, make their way home. If you're If you are in Chicago and you have a child who is going to college in the South, in Louisiana, or in Texas, tell them get 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 home now. Get on a car. Send them bus fare. Tell them get home right now. Right this minute. Everybody needs to be gathered around the fireplace. Gathered at home. You need to know where they are. You don't want them out on the street because anything can happen. It's getting ready. Right? It's going to be a petri dish in a minute. And the time is running out for us all to be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have enough stuff in your home to take care of what is going to happen. Whatever you have, hold on to it. It's going to be what it is for a while. We're going to learn to do without. In America, we're so accustomed to just having what we want, when we want, how we want it, the way we want it. Have it our way all the time. This is the first time that for most of us, we're going to learn that things are not going to go our way the way we expect it to. Right? And thank you. We need to hold on to that. Now, we're going to have to trust God that the country we know and love is going to remain. Are you with me? We're going to have to trust God. You heard me. We're going to have to trust God that the country will remain. We're going to have to trust in the leadership of the people who lead us. We don't have a choice. We're going to have to trust that the Spirit of God will lead them into making the right decisions that will benefit all of us. We're going to have to trust God and pray for our leaders that they will be imbued with common sense and they will be imbued with the right spirit from God so they will be wise and make wise decisions. We're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to move on your children so they will hear you. I know that they think they're young adults, especially the ones in the first two years of college. Man, do they think they're grown. This is nothing. You're telling them to come home and they're like, mom, dad, shut up. Stop take, stop calling, stop this, stop that. Impress upon them. This is not a good time together with anybody else. Amen. Tell them, come home. If they want to go hang out, they want to go to other people. This is not a good time to hang out at anyone's house. You don't know who they've come in contact with. You don't know who has the virus, who doesn't. You don't know what kind of symptoms they're carrying. Don't expose yourself. You have Netflix and Hulu and Comcast or AT&T or whatever cable provider exists. That's going to be enough for a while. Or you know what we all going to do? Pick up a book and read it. Amen. This is a time when we're going to gather around and we're going to pray. First prayer we're going to do, we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our city leaders, our county leaders, our state leaders. Then we're going to pray for our national leaders. And then we're going to pray for our healthcare professionals. We must pray and intercede for the doctors, the emergency room physicians, the, phys the physician's assistants, the nurse practitioners, the CNAs, the nursing assistants, the nurse, the phlebotomist, the per the lab tech who has to take the, 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 the blood. We're going to pray for the orderlies. 
and all the people who are involved, the orderlies who have to clean up behind as people are sick. We're going to pray for everyone involved in healthcare. We're going to pray for EMTs. We're going to pray for law enforcement. We're going to pray for the police. We're going to pray for those who keep law and order. We're going to pray for our borders. That at this time, while we are distracted, nobody thinks it's a perfect time for them to try anything with us. While we're working on a virus, they think it's a good time for them to try something. They might just encounter something else. Because these boys love homeland. And we love our homeland. Ain't nobody going to do anything to us. Amen. We're strong. We're a great people. We're a good people. And we're strong. And we are able to get through this. And we will. We will get through this. Our bodies are perfectly and fearfully made. And we're going to fight this virus. And we're going to overcome this. And then we're going to pray for our seniors. I don't want to talk about it. I'm so glad my parents are gone. I could not imagine losing my mom through something like this. I'm so glad she's gone already. I'm so glad my dad is gone. We're going to pray for our seniors. If you have your parents, you need to be on the phone with them night and day. You need to call them first thing in the morning. You need to call them at nights. You remember when they used to tuck you in and make you feel safe? It's your turn to make your parents feel safe. Call them up. Even above their objections, oh, darling, I'm fine. You don't have to call me. Call them anyway. They're looking forward to it, by the way. They're checking the phone. Oh, he's going to call me any minute now. She's going to call me any minute now. Call your parents. Call your grandparents. Call your mom's sister. Call your mom's brother. Call your dad's sister. Call the woman who raised you. Call the teacher who fed you during school, who helped you with your homework. Call the social worker who helped you when you were out on parole. Call your seniors and check in on them. Are you okay? Can I get you something? Order something. It might take a while to get to their door, but order it anyway. Pretty soon, they're going to impose moratoriums. And they're going to say that seniors in Italy and in Finland, they've already done that. Where seniors can go shopping at a specific hour and nobody else can go at that time because they're most vulnerable. That is going to happen eventually. We got to take care of our folks. These are our people. These people built the country. They left something for us. I know young people like to say, well, you messed up and you gave us that. They're just repeating a line. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea the struggles and the sacrifices that a generation before had to make so you and I can live free today. They don't know what that is like. We, we obviate that. We forget that. If they didn't fight in World War I, if they didn't fight in World War II, regardless of what kind of politics that led to the scrimmage, it is what it is. If they didn't stand up and defend, it wouldn't be here. We need to pray for one another. And then we're going to pray for us, you and I, individually. So first, we're going to pray for our leaders, our local leaders, the ones at the state, in, in departments around our state, in our cities, the ones at our county level, and the ones at our state level. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone listening right now. I pray for our leaders as we come together, Jesus. I pray you will imbue them with the strength that they need to go through this crisis. I pray that you will give them, the, they will know that you are the source of their strength. I pray that you will give them wisdom to make the decisions that will impact our daily life for the next coming weeks, for the next several weeks. Father God, I pray right now for pastors who seem like and who look like they might lose their church as their congregations are emptied out. Father God, I pray for, oh Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I pray for our leaders at the federal level. I pray for those who are making decisions about the delivery of health care right now. I pray for the president, the vice president. I pray for the speaker of the house, the candidates running for president. I pray for the senators and the congressmen and their staffers. I pray for people at the World Health Organization. I pray for people at the CDC. I pray for the administrators of hospitals and healthcare facilities. In the name of Jesus, give them the strength. They will need physical strength. And Father God, I pray for law enforcement. I pray for police and firemen and EMTs. Oh God, give us the victory. 
in the name of Jesus. I pray for state troopers and the FBI. I pray for the people whom we don't know, the people at the NSC, the people who see who don't see us, but we don't see them. I pray for the army and the military, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, these brave men and women who will fight and defend our homeland. In the name of Jesus. I pray for our healthcare workers, Lord God, on the front line, Jesus. Cover them, touch their hands, touch their hearts, give them a hearts of compassion. Give them a supernatural strength, Jesus. The EMT, the ambulance, the nurses, the doctors, oh God, in the name of Jesus, the lab techs. Lord God Almighty, give us the vision, the strength, oh God, stop the bickering, stop the panicking. Let us cooperate to help one another. I pray for the governor of this state, the attorney general. I pray for the governor of New York state, the governor of Washington state. I pray for all our governors, Lord God Almighty, in the name of Jesus. I pray for our senators. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us. I pray for our seniors, our parents, our grandparents, our great aunts, the people who raised us, the people who had a hand in giving us and helping us to become who we are. I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you will help us, you will bless us, you will keep us. I pray for people who are coming home, Jesus. I pray right now for all of us, Lord God, I pray that we will not panic. I pray right now you will give us strength, give us hope. My friends, I encourage you to look up and look higher unto the God who is able to carry us through. Jesus, if you have to, you will part a way to keep us through this. I pray for our seniors, Lord God, who are wondering what will they eat. They're in apartment buildings that are just a real petri dish if we think about it. Nobody has gone up to these apartment towers where our seniors are and cleaned it out. Jesus, I pray you right now that our city and county leaders will see them. And Father, I pray for our military, our men and women who are overseas, who are watching their country, their homeland. And I pray for those who are here. Lord God, strengthen them, the courage that they will need. I pray for all of us that we will cooperate with the authorities. I pray we will not panic, that we will hold on to our hope that there is another side to this and that this too shall pass. And Father, I encourage us all to read the words in Psalm 121. I will, say this after me, I will, Look upon to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. I pray right now that the Lord will help those. I pray the Lord will help our leaders to make the decisions as tough as they are. I pray they will have wisdom. I pray for cooperation across all sectors. We're not Republican today. We're not Democrat through this. We are Americans. We are humans. We are people. And Father, lastly, I pray for our friends and our brothers and sisters in Italy and Spain and France and the UK, our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters in Venezuela, Brazil, our brothers and sisters in Mexico, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Honduras, the nations of the sea. Yesterday, there was panic in Manila in the Philippines. Lord God, I pray for our brothers and sisters and your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray for our brothers and sisters in the islands of the sea, in Jamaica, in American Samoa, in Puerto Rico. I pray for all of us, Jesus, that we will unite as people. We will become one people who look up onto the hills where God is. And Father God, I trust you that you will come down and you will help us. You will get us through this no matter what it looks like. It might not be a physical war of weapons, but this is a war that has come to attack our human bodies. And Father God, we bind up all viruses and, and viruses from coming against us in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to our minds. And for those, Lord God, my brothers and sisters, Jesus, for whom this is too much to bear, for whom this is too much, Lord God, for whom the mental strength is not there, Jesus, for who succumb to panic and paranoia, I pray peace and steadiness during this hour in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you right now in Jesus' name. 
and all in agreement say amen thank you so much everybody this has been a special edition there's a caller on the line let me see what he has to say hey there thanks so much for joining us hello good morning hi can you hear me yes i can good morning can you hear me yes i can yes i took a look at your headline yeah and you were talking about how what kentucky is the cancer uh state of the nation Mm -hmm. so i wanted to find out um what your opinion was of that did you find out through research why it is is it due to electrical uh, cell phone towers (laughs) uh, electrical towers what did you find out well we found out there are a number of factors in kentucky there one part of the state in particular eastern kentucky seems to be caught up in a historical bind where people are traditional uh in fact uh when the reporter went to do the story what they found was that that part of the state is actually under construction there's a lot of dirt roads there so there's not healthcare delivery here's the thing with us uh here in america america is so big and large this is what i refer to as economies of scale all the time that when people say why can't we do universal healthcare?" and i am like you do realize we have over 3 million square miles. That's one. We have almost 400 million people. So people in other countries, in smaller countries like France and Italy, when you look at the economies of scale, we're not quite on their level. They're not on our level. So what is impacting folks in Kentucky is the delivery of healthcare. They didn't cite in the report that uh, cell phone towers had anything to do with it. It was more lifestyle they have not reached where we are, the awareness that we have, simply because of their geographic location and the, 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 the healthcare system's ability to, perhaps they overlooked them and didn't deliver healthcare. Let me read you some stuff that I came across. Uh, Kentucky had, Eastern Kentucky had, is number one in mortality rates per capita. And this is due to heart, lung disease and diabetes. These are all preventable illnesses that we know are preventable through lifestyle, right? A lot of what happens to Kentucky is because it's the rural part of the state, it's marked by poverty and soaring unemployment. And if there's unemployment and there's poverty, what's that gonna do? It's going to impact public health, right? And so Kentucky is is trying to, uh, this was brought to the attention of the public by the University of Kentucky, and they're trying to develop a new system of public health that is going to create prevention, just like we're doing in other metropolitan parts of the country. This new, uh, this new design is designed specifically to create an awareness in people and hopefully make people scream. You know one of the biggest things in healthcare is prevention, right? Well, how do you prevent disease? Okay, well, let me, let me, see, if I, let me see if I get what you're saying. You're saying it's not because or you haven't found for the research, maybe because of um, of technology. It's because the people in Kentucky, and I'm presuming you mean mostly Appalachia or the poor people there, um, don't know how to take care of themselves and or the um, the facilities, medical facilities there, don't deliver the kind of up-to-date, upgraded um, technological advances that other people enjoy throughout the United States. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So the hospitals there basically are either non-existent or if they do exist, they're delivering sub-quality care. It's not that they're delivering. The people are not going forward for screenings because they're hampered by poverty. If they're poor, they probably don't have transportation to go to the nearest hospital or medical center to be screened. If you feel like your blood, you wake up one morning, you feel dizzy, you don't know whether it's your blood pressure is too high or if your blood sugar is too high. But you're definitely, you don't have a car. So you're not going to go drive there just because you feel dizzy. So a lot of what happens, like you and I, for instance, we don't feel good. We call the doctor, make an appointment, drive up to the doctor, and we get a screening. And they tell you what mm, No, I don't. Well, that's for most no, of us. You, we call the doctor. Well, um, I've, um, I don't know. You, I don't even if it's for most. If it's... Um, If it's not something too serious, I'm sure that a lot of people would go to the doctor. But 
for chronic aches and pains and for other types of symptoms which don't seem to be either life-threatening or debilitating. Um, I myself don't go to a doctor. Um, doctors don't really don't do much other than prescribe something that you already know, mm -hmm. um, such as, well, you've got a disease. They may give you a certain name for it. You may not know as much the dystrophy or so. But other than that, um, if you know you have the flu, or you may not know you have the flu, or you have some other kind of pain, some other kind of um, sickness, I wait it out. Because to go to a doctor, to me, is a waste of time and money. I don't know about other people. There are people who go to the emergency room for just about everything. Right. I, uh, I don't. So I don't, know what, I don't know if I'm the norm or not. But if a person, I'm sure, regardless of where they live, if they have a chronic, debilitating, long-term type of symptom, regardless of how poor they are, they're either going to get a car, borrow a car, or get a cab to go to a hospital. Well, let me let me let me shed some light on that. Uh, a few years ago, I volunteered at a local church in Detroit. It's located in one of the poorest parts of Detroit. It's called Brightmore, and uh, the church. Uh, mm -hmm. I should call them this week because I want to find, they donate food to the people in the community. So on an average per week, every Thursday, they were distributing 250 to 300 bags of groceries, right? That would last people for seven days, right? And okay. I, I was helping okay. the pastor. I, I, I'm a minister. So I was helping the pastor. And after a while for pr praying for people, you kind of get an idea of what people are going through. Everybody had was complaining about high blood pressure or diabetes or they were recovering from cancer or they had heart failure or something like that. So after, after about four weeks, I said to the pastor, whoa, maybe we need to get some health professionals in who can address these issues because these are preventable illnesses. These are not spiritual my people perish for lack of knowledge. So I had a, I had worked in healthcare. So I had a, at the time I had a quadrant of people I could call. So I called a, a, a medical doctor I knew and I asked him to get his crew together. Then I called a nurse I knew and asked her to get her crew together. And we brought in uh, four nurses, a medical doctor and, uh, and a physical therapist and a nutritionist and a fitness instructor. I can't begin to tell you that place was packed out. There were 500 people showed up. I thought we would have 200 people, 500 people showed up. And when they came, we just, what we found out we should have done was ambulatory. We found out when we asked when the nurses, cause I wanted to know the same question you're asking, why you live in an urban area, you have access to a hospital, why aren't you going transportation? People walked a mile to come to the church because they heard a doctor and a nurse were going to be there. So poverty is sometimes a barrier to people being able to access healthcare. And these were largely, just like in Eastern Kentucky, these were, these were largely preventable diseases, diabetes, uh, you know, high blood pressure. And diabetes is a killer. I hate diabetes because it leads to everything else that could go wrong. I hate diabetes with a passion. And so what we did when we ran that pilot program, we, I went to uh, some other folk to try and I couldn't get funding because naturally I asked the nurses and the doctor, they were volunteering. We only did it for four weeks because we couldn't find the, uh, they, they had to be paid, right? Well, one of the nurses was so touched. He's from uh, the Philippines. He was so touched. You know, he kept going there for three months until he got burnt out. And I kid you not, what we found, how many lives they intersected. There were so, after a while, the ambulance were just parked down the street because we were going to call them because somebody was going to come in with a blood pressure so high. And you, you know, the nurses would say, well, did you call 911? You could have called 911. The ambulance would have come to you. And they're like, we don't have a phone. We don't have transportation. It's not like I can dial up Uber, 1-800-UBER and request an Uber to come and get me. So, okay, so these, so these are barriers. So poor they don't have a exactly. Phone or, or and, and, a, um, right, and or it's not just the poverty of 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 lack of economics. It's not just poverty as defined by lack of money. It's also poverty of lack of knowledge. It's also poverty of not knowing what resources are. Uh, Do you see what I mean? Well, how would you not know? 
it well if you have if you grew up it, most of these folks we found out most of these folks they lived but they don't pay attention uh it how could you not know is a good question because that's a question i asked too but there is no one answer i found that drugs were a problem some of the folks you have to look at the re- you, you begin to now look at the socioeconomics behind the whole thing it because we were in an urban setting well, I'm those- trying to, yeah i'm trying to discover that what i'm trying to find out is if they didn't have a phone or a, or a computer i can understand because if they're that poor they're not going to get the knowledge coming to them through the air but if they have a computer then they know they can get on the internet people don't how sir, I get my information sir you'd be surprised there huh? are a lot of people who do not have access to that there are some parts let me a few years ago i sat on a commission in 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 michigan we were starting a human trafficking task force in the state of michigan by senator judy emmons god bless her right and as we sat with a group of people across the state of michigan you know what became apparent broadband internet as we know it in these parts of michigan in southeastern michigan grand rapids and flint and so on and lansing it does not exist everywhere in michigan in the rural parts of michigan they have what we call sketchy internet well it's the same thing happens in some part in the rural parts of of america there is what we call sketchy internet so people don't have access to fast moving internet that they're able to go to google 1-800 google and just www.google dr google will tell me what is wrong with me people don't have that the delivery of what they see on television is mostly confined to network tv shows if they can get it rural america you will find has not changed much in the last 40 to 50 years and these are some of the barriers that prevent the delivery of healthcare it's not that the infrastructure is not there is that people don't know what to ask for so now the new thinking about healthcare professionals is that let's take it to them You see what I'm saying? And these are in the meantime people are perishing from congestive heart failure caused by diet. People are perishing from high blood pressure caused by diet. You shouldn't eat so much corn. You shouldn't eat so much starch. You definitely don't need all that sugar in your diet. You need to exercise more. You see what I'm saying? So these are some of the issues. I'll post the link to the article so that you can read it through and through. to see why folks in these areas and that's a microcosm so the bottom line is, is that they're so poor they live in a they live in an area in which the internet is not easily accessible and as a result they can't easily get the information that they need so if they don't get that information then they continue to live in a very ignorant lifestyle exactly um, is that what you're saying yes in a lifestyle okay. that is conducive to them having more cancers than anywhere else in the country. There are also environmental factors as well. We do know that that area in the Appalachian Mountains, there was a lot of coal mining up there for a long time. And nobody in the world is using coal as energy anymore because we know the the dangers that are associated with it. So if it is in the water table and it's in the ground and it's in the water table and people are drinking the water, what's going to happen? In some of those areas you find that legislation is very lax that is supposed to enforce how chemical companies uh discharge chemicals into the environment. So people are drinking water that is cancer infused. Their their livestock and their fa- and their their food is infused with cancer causing agents not because of them but because there is no environmental legislation that protects them. They don't organize enough and when they do try to organize they're bullied. So there are a number well, of factors. Do they organize? I don't know. The that article didn't explore that. That um They didn't. Oh, okay. So you don't know if there's any organizations trying to get um to get rid of the cancer. Yes, um, the the University of Kentucky. The University of Kentucky Rural Center, Rural Cancer Prevention Center is doing a heck uh-huh. of a job. Uh there is the cancer center in hazard and uh there are other places that are doing it uh the cdc is involved alarmingly that is very alarming but the cdc is the granddaddy of us all so the cdc is everywhere and uh it, it's interesting uh th- there's some scary numbers that i wasn't comfortable with because i didn't i i was kind of like what the heck 
How is it that only 7.3% of the population is uninsured? That's a good thing, right? It's less than the national average, but only 1,000 people, 1,500 people utilize services. 